God, open our hearts and give us a willingness to be ready and able to search the scriptures. Receive revelation. Receive the opening of the eyes of our inner man. And Lord Almighty, meditate on them. Observe them and give us good success. Prosperity in the things that you bring about in accordance with your word and for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We continue from last Sunday when we laid the foundation to making the most of your personal Bible study. And we go on today to continue in the aspect of the things that help you to make the most of your personal Bible study. And we remember that we had said that what you need to make the personal Bible study are the Spirit of God encountering our spirits at the center and we need to be systematic we need to study we need some skills and help we need to serve to put the word to practice and at the end we still need the spirits to bring the words into reality and form and we started with being systematic. And we had already said that you need to choose a place and choose a time. A place that is conducive, a place that is quiet, a place that is not too accessible. And we also say that you need to choose time. Either some regular time every day when the conditions of a place conducive, quiet, and you can afford it when you know your body clock. Or some hours weekly, depending on your schedule. But you've got to make up your mind to do that. And still being systematic is that you determine the type of study which you are going to do. You determine the type of study. You don't just do haphazardly. You don't do tumbum tumbum. You don't do try a lock. You don't just close your Bible and say, anywhere my hands open, God, that's where I'm going to study. No. It's a systematic thing. You determine the type of study. It can either be a topical study. Topical study means that you pick a word. Pick a word that is of interest to you. That is of general interest. That is topical. You pick a word that, a word of scriptures, a word of Christian living, that you will need to know more about, live by it, and allow the Lord to apply in your life. For instance, today is February 14th, isn't it, sir? And what is now being commonly associated with February 14th is what? Valentine's Day. And the commonest word, one word that people bandy about for Valentine is love. And then you wonder, this love, the way they're talking about it, is it really the way they're projecting it? Because you see all the adverts being made, you see the hotels reducing their rates by special discount, and usually the idea now on this word, love, with Valentine surrounding it, 
It's usually a period of sexual and amorous activities. A period when chastity is lost. Many people now say, that was when I lost my virginity. A period when infidelity for married people is highly promoted. And you encourage during the period to just go around and make sure you hook up. Hook up with somebody, the opposite sex, and have fun and have a good time. That's usually the idea surrounding it. So you pick up love. And say, okay, if they are talking about love, what does the word of God say on love? Is that the way that they are projecting it? Is that the history? Is that the way to go? Or what does God's word have to say on love? And as you pick on that word now, you go applying some of the other things we will soon mention, and you will discover that that word love has different connotations depending on how it came about. For instance, if you apply one of the helps here and get a concordance that will give you a Greek meaning or a Hebrew uh, rendition of it, just that one word, you will now understand, okay, this word love can be interpreted in more than four, five, or six ways. Oh, it could be agapeo love. Oh, it can also be a filial love. Oh, it can be a stodgy love. Oh, it can also be an eros love. And you will understand that the eros love is the one that is being advertised around. You find it also in scriptures and find how God mentioned about it. And find that it only appeals to your sensual desires. Superficial. Just things that have to do with your sex and fantasy. It doesn't go deeper than just your sensual desire. And then you find that filial will be talking about just a likeness for somebody. Either somebody you've been in the class with for a long time, you usually meet in the office, long stay. There's a fondness that grows that way. Because of a reason, because of how the person makes you feel. You will also discover here yeah, that the word stodge in the places it's used is a filial kind of love, brotherly kind of love. The kind of love that exists among members of a family, brothers and sisters in a family, a bond therein. And then discover, perhaps, that the strongest of them is agape love, God's own kind of love. God so loved the world that he gave. The love that sacrifices, the love that gives, the love that does not rejoice in evil. The Lord that rejoices in good. The kind of love that also believes and bears all things. And is kind, is gentle, is long-suffering, and is peaceable. The kind of love also that does not breach discord. You now discover these attributes. So, that's the one you know. So when people are up in the air about Valentine, about what men, married men can do, about what married women can secretly do, about what young people can do to express themselves, you find that that's not the right way because the word of God has guided you. And so that's telling you that in case you still have plan to hook up with anybody on Valentine, the word of God has already told you you are in the wrong direction. Retrace your step in the name of Jesus. And then apply it rightly. And deliver many others who after today have one story to tell of the other. So you pick love. Or you can pick an idea or subject. An idea or subject. What's false doctrine? 
What does the Bible say about doctrines? The ones that are false, the ones that are real. So, that's a topical study. You decide that's what I'm going to study for this one month, for this period, because I need it. Because I need to be able to have an answer in this area. What does the Bible say about understanding? When I'm reading and I'm not having understanding. When people are talking and I'm not able to have discretion. What does the Bible say about it? Then you pick up the word and go through on it. What does the Bible say about when there is famine in the land? When there is need? When there is lack? What does it say? Famine. Lack. Need. You pick it up. Topical study. And then you go on one step after the other and that. You may also decide to do a texture study. Texture means that you pick a text of the scripture. It may not necessarily be a whole chapter. It may be a passage that is conveying an idea. For instance, you are in leadership, in school, in church, in even in other societies that may not be so churchy. And you want to see God's standard for leadership. You go to First Timothy chapter 3 and you pick up the section, either the one talking about a bishop or talking about a deacon, and you pick it up and go through verse by verse on that section that talks about what leadership is about, qualification for leadership, how you can present yourself in your private life and in your public life, yet approved of God. Or perhaps, sin. Sin. Especially how to do it when you have fallen into temptation. And you don't need to cover it. You don't need to explain it away. You don't need to just rationalize it and say, well, every person is doing it. What do you do? You go to Psalm 51 and see what David did. How he expressed himself. What was his turn? You can go to Psalm 51 Verses 10 to 12 at least. Let somebody read that for us. And see how his comeback is. First of all, read us verses 3 to 5 of Psalm 51. And then read us verses 10 to 12. And see the attitude. And now be informed how God will want you to come over from a situation where you have fallen. And not remain looking back and never getting up. Because... A righteous shall fall seven times, and he will still get up how many times? But if you remain there, you will be paralyzed to go forward. And then the devil will seize the opportunity. And then you don't remain in that sin anymore. So how do you come clean? Psalm 51, verses 3 to 5. Okay, let's start with the person. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. Yes. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Read verse 6 too, before you go to 10. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts you will make me to know wisdom. Verse 10. 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. To twelve. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Praise the Lord. 
Then when you have done that, verse 13 says, When you have restored me, when you have renewed the right spirit within me, then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. So you find the right attitude to come back. And that's a textual study. You pick a text from the scripture that is dealing with an area of need in your life, and you take a study through it in the places that is mentioned about, and then find support there. Word, word, letter upon letter. And then the verses that also attach to that in other parts of the scripture. And you come out and God has already spoken to you on what to do in that area of life. You may decide to also do a character study. You call it either a character or biographical study. And all it means is that you pick a character in the scripture whose life is a challenge. A character in the scripture who perhaps was fledgling in a way and after became strong like Peter. A character in the scripture that maintained a right way from youth upward. Daniel, Joseph. A character in scripture that even though a woman fulfilled her role before God, you pick somebody like Ruth. Or you pick a character like the lady we find in Judges. So you study them. And as you study them, you are looking at things in their lives that are also being absent in your life. And God is asking you, this is how they made it. This is how they got through. This is how they were able to get it. A character like Ezra, who used the word of God, having permeated him, and having determined to study, to do it, and to teach, to the extent that when he was now just reading the word, People were breaking down in tears and weeping and brought a revival. And in Ezra chapter 10, people will now come on their own and volunteer and say, we are the ones who have sinned. We are the ones who have done wrong. This matter is for us. Just tell us what to do and we shall be with you. So you pick such a character and study in all the places that the scripture mentions about him with an intention to let your life be aligned that way. You can decide to say, I want to do a book study. First Timothy has six chapters. You can decide to do a book, Timothy, a book study of First Timothy because it deals with youth, it deals with leadership, it deals with church life, it deals with practical Christian life. You can decide to do a book study of Romans because it tells you about the doctrine of the faith which you believe, Christian faith. And talks about the issues, how you handle them on a practical day by day living. You can decide also, like we said, to study the book of Ezra, 10 chapters, because you want revival in your life, in your family, revival in the church or place where God placed you. How did God bring it about? So you choose a book, but usually you choose a book which does not have so many chapters, so that you don't begin studying that book in January 1, and by December 31, you are still studying one book. One book. Just one book. It's like somebody who picks Psalm 1, 1, Psalm, the Psalm. You say the book I'm going to study is Psalm. How many chapters does Psalm have? 150. That's more than a life project. It's possible to be done, but you don't pick that way. So you pick ones that you can go over with, in a period of time, weeks, sometimes days, 
sometimes a few months, but definite things that can come out from there. And then you ask the Lord to help you as you go through there. It's not only that you pick the type of study you will do. We have mentioned topical. We have mentioned which other type of study. Texture. Can somebody give us more of the words? Which other ones? Character or? Or? What's another name for character? Biographical. And then we have mentioned book study. Those are not exclusive, but those are the big guys that can help you on what to study. And then as you study, let's look at Acts 17:11 again. Acts 17 verse 11. That's the actual study now. You've got the place, you've made available time, and you have been systematic to be guided to know I'm going to study the word love. Or I'm even going to study lust. What does the Bible say about lust? That seems to be a big problem with me. You choose it. You've chosen your topic or the book or the character. And then the next one now is the actual study. Acts 17.11. Please, can you read? Acts 17.11. Yes. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Okay. In that they received the word with readiness, with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily. So, they not only receive the word with all readiness, they search the scriptures how? Daily. To know and to prove if those things were so. So you search the scriptures now. You pick the word, you pick the book, you pick the character, you search the scriptures. That's the actual study. And the things that help you search the scriptures are, number one, having different translations. Having different translations. And I'll give you a few examples there. In James Version, you can have Revised Standard Version. Many of the times, King James Version is almost the same rendition as New International Version. Number of times they differ. You can have the Living Bible. That is some of the ones we call contemporary translations. You can have the New American Standard Bible. You can have the Good News. You can have Amplified. Amplifies the Scripture, each of them. You can have the Message Bible. So, different translations. For instance, can somebody read First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15 for us in King James? And then... Another person reads it in Living Bible or Good News Bible. But first, let's hear it in King James Version. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 15. Okay. We unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Okay. If you read this version and take it at its literal meaning, this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain alive to the coming of the Lord shall not do what? Prevent them which are asleep. Is that not what you read there? Then what it means is like, ah, we who are alive, then we shall not go and stop those who are already dead. We shall not go and stand on their way. Is that not what prevent in ordinary English is? 
But this is an older form of English. So when you meet a translation like this and you wonder, what does it mean? How can we prevent them? Do we even have the power to prevent them? That's what will come to your mind. What do you do? You look at another translation. A more recent translation. And sometimes uh, more of paraphrases, but it doesn't matter. It gives you the idea. So does anybody have message, good news, or living Bible? Please read it. That same passage. Living Bible. Directly from the Lord. That we, who, when the Lord returns, we now rise to meet ahead of those who are in their graves. So you're beginning to understand now. We who are alive, when the Lord returns, will not rise ahead. Is that making some more meaning now? Let's have any other good news, message, recent translation. Yes, sir. And this we can tell you with complete confidence. We have the Master's word on it. That when the Master comes again to get us, those of us who are still alive will not get a jump on the dead and leave them. So those of us who are still alive will not get what? A jump on the dead. We will not go before them. In actual fact, they will be ahead of us. Okay, so it now amplifies it. Isn't that so? So, when you see prevent here in King James, you read in another version and you now clearer understand that all he's saying is that we will not go before those who have already died in the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's what different translations does for you. And please, you need to invest in them you need to invest in them. Many of us change our phones at will. And sometimes you ask the person the cost of the phone and you'll be surprised how much it does cost. An average Bible will still give you between, sometimes you have these smaller ones, 500, 600, 1,000. The costlier ones come 3,000. And those with references, chain references, will give you five, 6,000 that are easily available. So, if you really mean to live by the word and to really be guided of God, you will invest in Bibles, in scriptures, more than any other thing. Shall when we look at your bookshelf, when we look at your book right, that tells us where your mind and your heart is most times. But where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. So, there are not things, even as students, you can begin to do that already. As students, yes. As students, many of the Bibles, translations, and aids we had, we are using our pocket money. And that shows where your value is. So, even your pocket money can be of use. Those who say, look, we have barely enough over after we spent for the month. Oh, if you mean it, you will have enough to still get what will take you on the road map to living for God. You need a Bible dictionary or even a plain dictionary. You can have Bible dictionary. Or plain dictionaries, vines expository dictionary, advanced learner's dictionary. If you're a student, even the long man's dictionary, get them. Once they can help you explain the meaning of the word, that's okay. Look at Romans 13, 13. Romans 13, 13. And because there's no dictionary here now, we'll read a more recent translation to give you an idea. But read it first in King James, Romans 13, 13. 
and see whether you can easily on first hand understand clearly what that passage is saying. Especially some of the words. This is the um, New King James Version. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Okay, thank you. Well, that tries to bring it nearer. But at least you ask yourself, what is lewdness? Or if you have the older King James, it will tell you not in chambering and wantonness. It's not the word that you easily can understand. It's not an everyday usage, isn't it so? And so, you don't just search and study and live there. And you need this passage when you are talking about living right in the light of what is happening in the society. And you come to Romans chapter 13, verse 11, we say, And knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is your salvation nearer than when we first believed. Sure, you want to know how you can put on Christ. Put on the armor of light. And you want to understand what are the things you are being asked not to be found in anymore. When you come to wantonness and chambering, I'm sure you will meet a rude end. And then you want an explanation. That's why your dictionary comes in of use. But to help us out, if you have message or living Bible, read that place. At least in place of a dictionary. Yes, ma? Living Bible. So quit the evil deeds of darkness and put on the armor of right living. As we who live in the daylight should be decent and true in everything you do. So that all can approve your behavior. Don't spend your time in white parties okay. and getting drunk or in adultery and lust or fighting or jealousy. Okay, so you have seen the breaking down of uh, chambering now. What is it? Adultery, fornication, immorality. And what does wantonness now mean? That's not white parties. I thought we just heard it. We read about wantonness and chambering. Chambering talked about what? Immorality, adultery, the one that follows it. Lost. Lost. So you now know what wantonness and what chambering is. Wantonness is lost. Affection that is ungodly. So it breaks it down. Makes it easier for you to follow. Praise the Lord. And then you need also, in that actual study where you are searching the scriptures, concordance. Many of our Bibles now, thankfully, come with concordance. If you have any of the Bibles I talked about, a good number of them, Dick's Bible, Scofield Bible, any of those Bibles, Open Bible, and many of us have them. So many of them do. But there are specific concordances that you have. And some of them are available. Crudence concordance is easily like a pocket uh, dictionary. It's available. You can get it. And what does a concordance do? It gives you all the words you can find in scripture and gives you the references. And sometimes gives you explanation for them. And then sometimes may also give you the root word, the Greek word, the Hebrew word. 
When you go to Genesis 1.26 now, when it says, And God said, Let us make man. And God formed man. And God said, You will understand there now, that he talked about Bara, he talked about Asa, he talked about Yaza. And they are different. When you say, let us make man, you now go to where it means. You say, let us specially construct man. It gives you a clearer understanding. That he didn't just speak, let the animals come, and they came. Let there be day, and it came to be. Let there be night. When he came to man, he said, let us specially construct a new thing. And it makes all the difference. So, that's what a Bible with a concordance can do for you. But you can have prudence concordance. You can have Strong's exhaustive concordance. And it's really exhaustive. This one has all the words with all their Greek and their Hebrew root words. And can tell you which verses where you can meet them and which they connect. And then you have the Young's analytical. It's also there. That will be of great help. In short, when you are doing a topical study... And when you are doing a word study or subject study, even when you are doing a character study, you cannot do without the concordance to link you from one passage to the other. And when you are also doing a character study, Joseph was mentioned in Genesis, for instance. Joseph was mentioned in Psalm, for instance, when he says he sent him ahead of time to teach his senators wisdom. Joseph was also again mentioned in the New Testament. You need a concordance to help you trick and track through and make you do a diligent study full and well able. You need a commentary. A commentary is usually some other person's life and work devoted to a deep study and searching of the scripture which now gives you at least an idea in the person's own understanding of what that passage means. I'm sure many of us have heard about Matthew Henry's commentary. Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. That's this. And from Genesis 1 verse 1 to Revelation uh, 22, it gives you a commentary on what those passages can mean. There's also the one we call teacher's commentary. So many of them. That one also has encyclopedia. And then we couldn't bring all of them across. So it gives you a commentary. A commentary is also like the one you have in many of your daily reading notes. Daily guide, daily word, daily bread. And gives you a commentary. And it helps you to appreciate the passage, the person, maybe the background, the history more. The mistake many people do anyway is that when you go to study, you first of all, when you finish reading the passage, the first place you jump to is where? The commentary. So it already colors your understanding. But if in the sense in which you are saying, be open to the Spirit, He can use a word you have come across again and again and speak to your need and it will be particular to you and you can hold it for real and know that God has spoken to you on that issue and on that subject. So what you do as you are open and say, open my eyes, O Lord, to behold the wondrous things from your law. You look at that passage, look at the text, compare it to another passage, and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this? That's what the next session will tell us, this care. What are you saying about this? What do you want me to do on this? How does it pertain to me? You first get your own ministration. You first get the Lord speaking to you on it. 
before you may now go to the commentary. You don't go to the commentary as a first line resort. You may not now be able to fully on your own meditate on it. And also need reference Bible. I've mentioned a number of them. Thank God a good number of our Bibles are reference Bible. If you are not a student and the Bible you have is not a reference Bible, then you are living beneath what is normal for you. What did I say? If you are not a student and the Bible that you use more often has no reference, then you are living below normal. We are talking of living by every word of God. And you need food to exist, to live physically, isn't it so? And we are talking about living comprehensively. If your Bible does not have reference, then you are living even below and beneath what the normal for you should be. What does that mean? You should be able to have a Bible that at any time can have references where you get to refer. Some have it at the middle of your Bible in each page. Some have it at the end. Some will have it below, below your scripture. But even for a student, you can afford a good number of them. Some of them have red letter edition where they also can point out those ones. You have no reason, you have no justification not to have them. Because you can and they are available. So her friends Bibles help you get to other places with the same text, with the same character, with the same study. And then of course, you can also have the needs of books on those topics. If you read books that are written on love, they are quite a number. But it's not all of them. As you look at those which seem to appeal to God's kind of love. Jesus' love. Then expository books and sometimes literature on that topic. They help you get a round view. We're talking about Valentine and love. So you will need to read literature on that. And then you will now understand, okay, this Valentine thing was by a 8th century Roman Catholic priest. Who was said to be wedding people in secret. And those who felt they were in love, if they ran away from home and they say we are so much in love that it blinds us that we cannot see the day from the night. And it is like day and night for us. He can wait them without the encumbrances. I don't know whether with the consent or absence of consent of their parents. But that's how he started. And then he got popularized. So you know that subject by reading the literature on it. And it widens your understanding. When you are not using it either in your daily life, when you are standing on the area where you are feminine and telling the other person, no, I won't be involved in this. And he says, why? He said, let me tell you the background to what you are practicing. Then you are well grounded. When you now bring the scriptures, it makes all the difference. He won't say, look, you are just not an ignoramus. They say sometimes that we go into religion as a cover, as an opium, which means something that makes you feel good. No. First Peter 3.15, like we read earlier on last Sunday, comes clear on it that you should be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you the reason for the hope, for the belief, for the conviction you have. Be able to display it. And for Paul, in every of those areas, he will bring up the areas. If we are using the daily guide and you came across yesterday, and the moment that the crowd rose up in opposition, all that he did was to look at the crowd and study them. And now discover that the brigade commander who came to rescue him was a Greek. He immediately switched to Greek and said, sir, can I speak to you? And he said, do you speak Greek? He said, yes. I not only speak Greek, I was born verily in Cilicia. 
and I had learnt it by birth, just from where I was born. He got audience. And the moment he knew that his crowd was the Hebrew, majority of Jews who were trying to condemn him and say away with him, and he got the attention, he switched over to what? Hebrew. And started speaking to them. We are not saying that you will be a polyglot. A polyglot is somebody who learns and knows many languages. But be a polyglot with regards to what? The scripture. And matching it to your circumstance. You'll be able to apply. Second Timothy 2.15 As you study to show yourself approved. A workman. Rightly dividing. Rightly applying the word of God. It makes life easier, makes you have a focus, and gives you a clear bearing. And people know you are just not a follow follow. You are convinced that you are convinced about what you believe. Somebody was asked to come for a crusade that was going to be held in the 16th, 17th century by one of the men whose voices roared louder than a microphone. They didn't have microphone in those days. But his voice roared so long. And then the atheist said, look, I'm an atheist. I don't believe God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe anything about God. So just leave that area. And then his friend kept persuading him. He didn't give him any hope he would be there. But by the next morning when they met up, he asked him, were you able to go there? He said, well, I found myself there. He said, what was your impression? He said, well, I came away with the conviction that that man was convinced about what he was talking about. I was convinced that he was convinced about what he was talking about. That is what he helps you do. You go to when Paul was before Agrippa. And then with all the pomp and pageantry of Agrippa and the visiting king. And then the king opened his mouth to say, Paul, it looks like much learning has made you what? Mad. Many of us will keep quiet there and say, not so. Many of us will tremble. Many of us, our knees will start knocking together. Our hands will start shaking like a leaf. But immediately because this man had known both the beginning and what after, he said, no, oh my king, I'm not mad. What learning has not made me mad. I wish that you would also be like I am, except without these chains. And went on. Today's tender face to Suke and say, Look, thou almost convinces me to be a Christian. The nearest person to salvation who excluded himself. But the point we are making is that that's how you get to know the scriptures. As you get to read and read around it, and know what is on it, then you can stand up and stand for what you believe. And stand also to convincingly speak to others. Not just because you want to talk to gainsayers. You want to let them know this is true and this is real. And of course, you need pen and paper. You need pen and paper. You don't do a study of scripture. You don't cite the scripture. And you just carry the Bible and nothing more. Your brain is not a computer. Even though the brain cells retain most. And the brain cells are the only cells that work throughout your lifetime. Some other cells with time will start degenerating. But the brain cells are active all through life. But you can't retain everything. And then the things that make impression on you, you need to note them down. Most times, it is those areas that make an impression on you by the Holy Spirit that leave a permanent impact on your life that you will also do what? Share out and live out with others. So, 
please, even in church, like we said for this year, come with your pen, come with your paper. Note down things. The areas that God speaks to you, the word comes clearer. Some of the times what I do, I carry pen, paper everywhere around. It may be in the car, it may be as I'm sitting down, it may be in a meeting, and then I'm getting what for other meetings or programs, or even in area where I know. I'm writing them down. I'm keeping them. I'm looking at them later. And you can't grow beyond this level. You need a lot of it, and may the Lord help you so to do in Jesus' name. What are the skills that help you? We're not saying you go to acquire skill in the mechanic workshop. We're not saying you're going to acquire skill maybe to repair electrical faults in your house. The skills are what help you by the Holy Spirit to understand the scriptures more. One of them is what we call CIA for short. And it's easy to understand that acronym. So once you say CIA, it's telling you context, interpretation, and application. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. And let the people who read run with it. So when you are using CIA, you are trying to, what you are reading from that passage, make it plainer, make it clearer, make it easily understandable, that not only will you be able to carry it as if it came from you, the person who also hears you and who sees you leave that passage will also do what? Run with it. Your life has been impacted and it has also affected and influenced other lives. So, you ask yourself, what is the context of this scripture? Context. Context. Many of us are familiar with it. Who is speaking here? What did he say? Where? When? Is that not the kind of questions we answer in our religious knowledge in schools? And many of us got A1 or A2 or A3 or C. Who said this? To whom? Where? When? Is that not so? Exactly the same thing. You apply it there. Who said this? God. To whom? Habakkuk. When? When he was standing at his watch and waiting to know what God would tell him. So, context. Interpretation. What did he tell him? What did it mean? Write the vision. Make it plain upon tables. Did he tell him to go and bring tables and write it? Did he tell him to just look for tables anywhere and be writing on top of tables? What did he tell him? Interpretation. And then, as you look at that passage, it will be clear that you told him to make it clear. Get this vision, get this scripture, get this reading so clear that it's as if it has been displayed. And then, application. How does this passage speak to me? How does it apply to me? What is it saying to me? It's telling me to so imbibe this character to so learn this thing, to so get this passage, that when I am living out, speaking out, it is real. It's not just from the head. It has influenced me. I can influence the person who is listening to me. Context. In what environment? What is the background to this passage? 
And it's not difficult to ask. Every one of us has done that. And you scored more than 90% in doing that when you were in school. Now you are doing it for yourself. What did it mean? How does it apply to me? It helps you to study passages and to be able to live by them. And as you ask those questions, that's when the Holy Spirit brings them and says, Why are you not the one complaining yesterday of lacking understanding? Why are you not the one who was saying, I don't know where to get the money for my school fees? Why are you not the one who is saying, how can I get money to pay rent? Doesn't this apply to you? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So, he will provide. So, God from this place, if you can provide to make this lie by the still waters, he will provide. You are applying it to yourself. And that application may be what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you that is personal for your need. Hold it and live with it, pray with it, and run with it. And that's God applying areas of scripture that are relevant to you. We have the other pattern, space. And space is sin to confess. Can we go together? Sin to confess, P, or hope for, A, C, and E. Again, you apply this scripture to that passage. Let's, for instance, read First Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. That may be the only one we'll have time to read that. And let's see what we can get there. We'll read it. I'll read it out. And then I'll just ask if you're able to find any of this that is related to that passage. That passage talked about when Hannah had a great need. He needed a child. An acute need in her life. Eli could not provide. Benina was taunting her. Her world was made bleak. Even though she had other things, but she had an acute need. And she groaned for when all else failed, when others were pleasing themselves, she said, I will take it upon myself to go and cry before God. And cry before God she did. And God heard her. And then Hannah did not take it for granted. She came back to God in this passage. And now, First Samuel 2.1, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside you. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let no arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty man are broken, and they that stumbled are guided with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry ceased. So that the barren had born seven. And she that had many children is waxed feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. Verse 8. He raises up the poor out of the dust. Lifts up the beggar from the downhill. To set them among princes. To make them inherit the throne of glory, for the pillars of the earth are the laws, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, 
and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man... Is there any sin to confess in that place? There may not be any on the surface. But when you look at verse 3, you will say, Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let no arrogancy come out of your mouth. And so you look at yourself. Have I been doing that? Father, forgive me. Are you with me? It didn't spell sin completely there. But you have seen an area there that talked about you in the way you talk about your ability, people who can help you. And say, don't talk any more arrogantly that way. And don't talk exceeding proudly. You say, Father, I'm guilty of this. Please do what? Forgive me. Is there any promise to believe God for in this place? A number of them. Look at verse 4. Part 2. They that stumbled are guided with strength. So Lord, I believe you to guide me with what? Strength. Look at verse 5. They that were hungry ceased, so that the barren had born seven, and she that had many children is waxed what? Fable. So God, you feed me, and you provide, and you also grant me children. Now, look at more importantly, verse 8. He raises up the part of the dust. Lift up the beggar from the downhill. Set them among princes. Make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. Is that a promise of the Lord? Sure, you take it with you. And then verse 9. He will keep the feet of his saints. He said, God, these are your promises. I receive them and I believe you for them. Is there anything that shows adoration to God there? Look at verse 1. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies. I rejoice in your salvation. Verse 2, There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither any rock like you. Is that not adoration? So you say, God, I turn it to prayer. I adore you because there is none like you. There is none beside you. Is there any command to obey? Is there any command to obey? Did you see any? The same verse 3 we see it. Cannot only be a sin to confess if you are already there. It may also be a command to do what? Obey. Talk no more so proudly, exceeding proudly. And let no arrogancy come out of your mouth. Is there any example to follow there or not? Verse 1 started with, And Hannah prayed. An example. She prayed before. She prayed while. She prayed after. So, never forget the Lord at any moment, morning, afternoon, night. Hannah prayed. So, this is how a passage can come to life to you. And you are on one passage, as it were, and you are still there for hours. And you've never finished because you are taking one after the other to help you. Applying to yourself. You don't finish this type of thing on any part of the scripture and you don't have a change. You don't remain the same. You change. And God also brings his word and light to you in a clearer dimension in Jesus' name. Look at the other scale. We've mentioned what was the first acronym. CIA, C for, C for, I for, A for, space, S for, sin, to confess, P, 
promise A. Adoration C. Command E. Example to follow Finally, at least for now Acts Usually this helps you for purpose of praying When you are praying When you are studying Meditating When you are using it to pray You don't just pray out of point You don't just pray haphazardly You pray with the scriptures And you pray in line with the scriptures And act there Simply as it comes Is what you find Put in First Timothy chapter 2 Verses 1 to 3 Has anybody got First Timothy 2 1 to 3 It spells out these aspects of prayer That you can derive from the scripture Which you have read First Timothy 2 1 to 3 I thought therefore That first of all What do you see there Supplications If you have my version of the Bible Prayers Intercessions And giving of thanks be made for all men For kings For all in authority That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life In all godliness and honesty For this is good and acceptable In the sight of who? God our Savior So in that passage you look for what You can use to adore God Adoration You look for a sin to confess It's another way of putting it but you adore God, you confess, and then you thank Him. Are there things to thank God for in your life from that passage that He prompts you? And then you bring your supplications, which also includes intercession on behalf of others. It orders your prayer life according to scriptures, and it has a pattern and a format. May the Lord help us to diligently apply this in Jesus' name. And when you do, each of these acts is not just to hold them in our mind, in our brain, fill them in paper, and say we have words of sheets of paper. Can't you see I've been doing a good study? They are to impact our lives. They are to change our lives, to influence us, and to make us also influence others. As we quoted last Sunday, Acts 1.1. Luke said, I want to give you a treatise of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until he was taken up. He lived it out. And then Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had prepared his heart, the spirit, the entry, the point of being open. That was the first thing we mentioned, the center of your study. The reason why you are doing a personal Bible study. You want to encounter the spirit behind the world. You want the world to be alive and relevant to you. You want to be affected like we read in First Thessalonians 2.13 last Sunday. He said, I want to thank God for you. That when you received the word, you received it not as the word of man. But indeed as the word of God, which effectually works in you, which is working to produce results in you. Your life was open and the word was changing your life and making it to live by the standard of God and his word. And Second Timothy 3.17 says, every word of God in verse 16 is for your instruction, for correction, for reproof, for rebuke. Why? That the man of God, that the child, that the servant, that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. 
prepared for every good work that God brought you to do. Everything that depends on living and for godliness. You have it all. And so it's for service. Your life reflects it. And that's why James, where we also quoted last Sunday, said, when you look at the mirror, you don't forget how your face looked when you looked at the mirror, do you? But any man who looks at the mirror and forgets who he is when he finishes from there, doesn't remember whether his hair is combed or shaggy, doesn't remember whether there's a speck anywhere, and trims them. You look at the mirror in order to do what? Reflect and modify according to what the mirror does what? Tells you and be prepared. So the word of God is a mirror that shines on you what God is saying and makes your life tick you in. No wonder Job will say, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. And Jeremiah 15, he will say, your word was found and I did what? I ate it. I digested it. And it became to me the joy of my life. It became my living being. So it's for service. It's to reflect in your life. As you are open, you are praying with that scripture. You are also believing God. You have faith. As you look at the examples to follow, your life is patterned. And you are also believing him for the promises there. And praying with them based on the scripture. It influences you. Gives you a burden. It influences others. Gives you a vision where people are just seeing now, today. No longer beyond their nose. You see beyond them. Because the word of God has given you the answer for tomorrow on that area of need. And you are not confused as any other person. You can share. You can visit others. Use it for counseling. It's areas of the world that have meant much to your life that you can usually do what? Share. When you are witnessing to somebody, it's life experiences. Or when you are telling somebody something to back up the veracity of what you are saying. It's the area where you have experience that you will likely do what? Go to first. It's a word that has been stored up. That out of it will flow all the issues of life. Including that counseling. And it's not just for service. You are ending again that study with and in the spirit. You are open. You are praying in. And Isaiah 66 where we also read. Verse 2 says, even verse 1, say, where is the house you built for me? Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. So I have all I need. I'm fully taken care of. There's nothing you can do that will swell my head or be new or be something I've never seen. And then it says, if none of the things you can do, produce, give, money, position, can move me. You see, to this man will I look. This is a man whom I will pay attention to. This is a woman who will move me. The man who does what? Who is contrite and trembles at my word. Whom my word makes to stand at attention. Changes him. Brings remorse to him. Alliance is life. So you're asking God, please let this world be in me. I'm full of lust. I'm usually tended to lustful tendencies. Lord, I have seen what I need to renew my mind in your word and be cleansed in the spirit of my mind. Father, help me. I cleanse myself of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Second Corinthians seven one. 
And then Romans 6 will tell you, ah, regard yourself as dead. So you are making it a point of prayer and you are going to the scripture again and again. Your life is aligned to the world and standard that pleases God. And then there can be an open way for him to minister back to you. So you pray it in, you pray it out. And you believe the Lord to make a permanent change in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. So in closing, we've taken time on this because we need to get ourselves, not just as if we are reading for exam, preparing for an interview, preparing documents for a contract job you are going for, preparing your list for the things you want to buy if you are in business of buying and trading, but this is a journey of life. Journey for the year. Living by every word of God. May God help you and I to also, as you prepare, get equipped to live comprehensively in the name of Jesus Christ. And then from today, which type of study do I want to get onto in the next one month? Which type of study? Which type of study? Topical? Word? Subject? Book? Texture? What other one? Character. Which type of study? You can even begin with the one you are good at. And then ask yourself, which one is least practiced? And perhaps the better way of phrasing the question is, have you ever practiced any at all? What is the answer? If it is no, then this is a time to start. A time to start. To equip you. Like we said, the reason for personal Bible study is to personally edify you, build you up, and equip you for life comprehensively. And then, which two books of the Bible will you like to begin to study in the next one month? We don't want to overload you. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. If it's a book study you want to get to, get a short one. Many in the New Testament are short. A good number in the Old Testament are also short. Please apply yourself to this. And then, what particular topic or character relating to my need will I want to study in the next two months? Which means that in the next one month, I will do a book study. I will begin from there. Just read through. Read with translation. Read with references. Go through the book. And then in the next two months, I'm looking for a topic or character study. You can make it vice versa, depending on which one. But as you do, have a goal of reading through your Bible. The only compass you have to give you the mind of God, to make your way successful, to give you and make you have prosperous living, to make you... Live and substantiate your eternal life. Jesus said you search the scriptures because in them you have eternal life. And they testify of me. So, read the Bible through in one or at most two years. Make up your mind. Irrespective of what reading guide you have. This one is not the study. You are reading. Those spare minutes, moments, hours, waiting on the floor, waiting on the queue, waiting in this office, waiting here. When many of our programs, they say, this function is starting at 3, and for 3, they meant 4.30. Instead of staying there and chattering away time, use up the time. Occupy usefully. 
Let the word be hidden right in your heart. Let it produce results. And memorize and meditate them. Many will say, look, it's difficult to memorize now. As you go over that passage again and again, it begins to do what? Stick. It doesn't come automatically. I said the children who can by root memory pick it up. But as you grow older, that's a more difficult job. But the Holy Spirit helps you. And it's when you have come across again and again. Hebrews 5 says, Strong meat belongs to those who by reason of what? Exercise. Constantly coming there have learned to discern between the good and evil. That's what happens with the scripture. As it comes in, it becomes you. Changes you. Renews your mind. And applies you to the mind of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. You can more readily believe God. And your life is already patterned in righteousness. Because sin and the word of God cannot coexist. And then according to John 15:7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask what you will and it shall be done. And it's done by God to fulfill his word. And as you pray, ask the Lord. Let my life be changed. Confirm to your image. As I go through the scripture, help me to do it. To observe to do. Strengthen me as I start the study. Help me. Some of us, our prayer may be, I need to acquire good Bible helps. We've mentioned so many of them. And if it's a prayer that is dear to your heart, God will give you the money. Within the next one, two weeks, you'll find somebody giving you money. And that will be an answer to the prayer you've made. Go and get the Bible helps that will sit you down and say, God, as I read through and study, may I receive revelation. May the spirit of my inner man be open. May I also understand and know the extent and greatness of the riches of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding power that is ours as we live by you. Shavuba has to pray. What is your Bible study life like? The greatest thing that connects you to God, your maker, who says live by every word. You shall not live by bread alone. You have time for all else. You have time for every other thing that commands attention. If it's an exam, you're really quick and earnest about it. If it's an interview, you prepare over time for it. If it's a contract assignment, you have more than all the documents. How come that for this one that is for life, for godliness, this one that is comprehensive, you are found wanting? Can you say, God, I want to apply myself to the study, to the doing, to the teaching, to the living out of your word. Let your word begin to have impact on this way in my life. Let your grace abound in my life. Father, I want to begin to search the scriptures. I want to begin to also understand the power, the depth, the grace of your mercy. Lord, I want to be equipped. I want to be edified. Lord, I want to be built up as a house for you. Father, I want to live by your word. So much so that your word is in me and the spirit in your word comes alive and gives me a cause for right living for you. Grant me open eyes, open hearts, open heaven. Grant me a longing and a desire. Grant me a yearning to know and to do your word. And if you are here, and as you are speaking, the Spirit of God told you, 
You haven't yet known the Lord of the Scripture. Jesus has not yet made himself revealed to you. You don't have a witness within you that you are a child of God. That the Spirit of God is in you as a deposit now. And then these words are saying, My son, give me your heart. My daughter, give me your life. And you want to surrender in order that the spirit of revelation can be yours as you study the scripture. You want to surrender your life and say, God, I don't want to run my life anymore. I'm tired of trying to live on my own. I want you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And give me the power to live for you. If that is your decision, please where you are, raise your hand. Let's pray together with you. Raise your hand. Let's pray with you. Lord, I want to have the peace and the assurance that the Spirit of God that shows that I have become your child is mine. I have been struggling with sin. The lost dimension has been my undoing. Today, I want all kinds of living that are not to your glory to die away in me. And I cannot on my own. But thank you that you have paid the price, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. If that's your desire, please raise one of your hands where you are. We we'll pray together. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you because you love me. You paid the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Give me the power to live for you from today. Thank you in Jesus name. Lord as many as receive you give them the power to be your children who were born not of flesh not of blood but by your will. Lord may all things pass away in the name of Jesus. May all things become new in the name of Jesus. Lord let there be a witness in the spirit that the old has gone and there is peace there is joy unspeakable and there is a following of the way right to the end. Lead her on, even unto her life end. To the glory of your name, in Jesus' name we pray. And Father in heaven, we ask you that for every one of us here, we will not only have heard and forgotten, we will not only have looked at the mirror of the law of liberty and forgotten how our life and our face is. Lord, from today, we will study we will study diligently. We will search the scriptures to confirm the things you are speaking to our hand. In them is life. Life eternal. Life spiritual. In them is life of success in the things we face. In them is making Lord our way prosperous. In them is living a life of righteousness. In them is faith. That hears your word and believes you more readily. In them is receiving your promises that are yea and amen. Lord, lead us to a longing not just to study your word, but to be influenced by it and to live by it in the name of Jesus Christ. Turn around lives. Turn around families. Turn around situations. Turn around events here. On account of encountering the spirit behind your word in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, by your 
your word, I say, Father in heaven, as we get to your word, may that same power by which you uphold all things with the word of your power also encounter the twins in our lives and turn them around even to fortune and to answers and victory in the name of Jesus Christ. To lies in obedience lift to you in righteousness and to lies that portray your life and make us bold to stand even for what we believe. Heavenly Father, may this longing remain and yield that with impact in our lives to reflect your glory and to touch us continually in every area and show truly that we are workmen of our God who have rightly studied and applied your word. Give us burdens, give us visions, give us ideas that we will not only run with them, but those who hear us and live our lives can run with the ideas of our life in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the adult, for the children, for the infant, for the youth. May this be real in our lives in the name of Jesus. Equip us to have time. You've been speaking and speaking. We are not in the frequency to hear you and apply. Lord, as we create time, make ourselves available. May your word come again and again. May open words and vision from you no longer be scarce in our lives this year and anymore in the name of Jesus. Thank you as you abound us in them and suffice us in them. And may the doors of victory, of grace and on life be opened unto us in the name of Jesus. Christ. Is there anyone here still burdened, still depressed, still confused, still in any area, Lord, torturing and not knowing the word? Let your word come now. That this is the way, walk you in it in the name of Jesus. Let the burden be lifted up right now. Find rest for your souls in the name of Jesus. And let the Lord who sends his word without accomplishing the purpose for which it came for, it does not go back. Let the word of God for your need and situation be sent now and receive even the doing of it in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for you are the Lord that heareth us. And you are the Lord that performs the doing of your word as we live therein. Receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.